welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a talk back kind of preacher, so you're going to have to help me uh, talk back a little bit. I don't know if Jake or Jen told you our journey, our story a little bit. Um, just kind of backstory. I'm almost 59, so next couple weeks I'm, I turn 59. Uh, four kids, yeah. Uh, married 34 years, 35 years coming up in, in uh, uh, May to uh, the only wife I've known, Kimberly. And uh, we met at Bible school at Raymond Bible College. I don't know if you all ever heard of that place in Oklahoma. That's where we met. And uh, uh, yeah, four kids. Uh, Michael's 31, married, two grandkids with him. Uh, he and his wife live in Vegas. Uh, he's a manager at Best Buy, and she's a, a manager at Amazon. And uh, my daughter and son-in-law live in Chula Vista with us. Uh, she's a social worker, so she's got a pretty crazy schedule. And uh, my son-in-law is an ambulance driver and two grandkids with them. And then I've got a 25-year-old son, almost 25-year-old son, Jude, who is uh, uh, going to be a Spanish, a Spanish major, going to be a Spanish teacher. Uh, he's got one more year, at, or excuse me, uh, going to finish up uh, in May, graduate at San Diego State, and then our daughter turns, she's actually 22 today, my baby daughter's 22 today, and uh, she's at San Diego State, and she's going to be in the whole, uh, gosh, physical therapy, you know, kind of pediatric physical therapy, she's on that track, so come on, God is good, everybody, come on, come on, God is good, what, what an amazing church, come on, this is amazing, phenomenal facility, I walked up and I went, golly, the glass and the whole building, you guys and coffee and cookies and Tim Hortons and Jesus, come on, I'm back in Canada. Uh, uh, the, the connection that maybe you don't know or not, but like uh, what, what Jake was saying a little bit ago is that, that um, uh, 1988, my wife and I uh, uh, came across the border north of, in Creston, B.C., north of Sandpoint, Idaho, and uh, I was 28 years old and my babe, my wife was 27. We had a... Um, a uh, 16-month-old son who's 31 now uh, uh, in the car seat next to her as I was driving a U-Haul truck across the border. My wife was six months pregnant with, with the daughter who's 30 now, Brittany. And uh, uh, we came across the border in, in Creston, by Creston, B.C. in Sandpoint and drove to Trail B.C., Trail British Columbia in the Kootenays in 1988, and we began uh, to, to pastor a church there. And so for 13 years, from 1988 to 2001, we lived in a beautiful province. Come on, beautiful B.C. Come on, everybody. Yeah. And so we've got roots here. Three of our four kids were born right there in the Trail, uh, trail uh, Hospital. And so we love British Columbia. We love Canada. You guys are on our hearts all the time. And uh, uh, the connection with us when we got here with Jake and Jen was with Jake's mom and dad, that uh, they were part of an organization that we connected with, and, and uh, uh, Jake's uh, dad, uh, Dave, was, was a leader in British Columbia, and so we fell in love with them, and actually we drove, I think it was in the fall of 1988, from Trail BC up to Prince George, y'all know where Prince George is, come on, that's like next to Alaska, come on everybody, like, like crazy, like moose running across the road, and and polar bears and all kind of, no, not really, but you know, it was a crazy, crazy time. We met uh, Dave and Gene and fell in love with them, and they became just dear friends and pastors for us as young kids were just trying to pioneer a church, and, and through hell and high water, they stuck with us and stuck with us and prayed for us and came to Trey all the time, and so we've just got real deep connection with uh, Jake's mom and dad, and then now with Jake and Jen, and we're just, I'm just thrilled to be here. You guys are amazing. Come on. 
got a great worship, got a great church, come great heritage, you know, uh, uh, Blake, yeah, you just gave a word here. So just everything that's gone on up until now, y'all are just kind of setting the table for what I want to say today. And, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about being here. So let me just kind of jump into it. Uh, um, something that's a, a passion in my life, has been a passion for a long time. Uh, let, let me say, let me kind of back up just a second, is that I was raised in an environment in church where, where if, if you're not careful, church becomes all about you. Your relationship with God all, all becomes very me-centered and, and me-identified, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's a progression that we all go through uh, uh, in the beginning of our journey with Christ. You've come here maybe, and you're, you're broken, you're hurt, you're confused, you're tore up, like they say, from the floor up. It's just not gone good. You find God. You find Jesus. You start finding out who you are in Christ. You look at Ephesians 1, and it tells you some crazy stuff there that you're blessed, you're accepted, you're chosen, you're redeemed. You're sanctified, you're called, you're anointed. And, and man, that, that's phenomenal truths. And those are truths you can never go away with. But if we're not careful, all of our Christianity turns very uh, focused on us. It, it turns to where it's just about us. And, and, and really, if we're not careful, we can get to the place that I'm not so concerned about anybody else. It's just me, like somebody said, me, my four, and no more. I'm not really interested in, in stretching and reaching and including and bringing. It's just I really just want me and Jesus. And Because I, I know if I, I, I try to get involved in anybody else's life or, or, or if I try to help anybody, I, I know there's going to be some conflict and there's going to be some difficulties and challenges. And, and I don't know how they're maybe going to receive me or, or I don't know if I want to get involved in all that, their life and stuff. And let, let, me, let me encourage you today is that your relationship with Jesus Christ is just too good for it just to be you and Jesus. It's got to be you and Jesus and some other people. Come on, somebody. And not just connect groups. That's powerful. Not just getting in your small group. You need that. But, but you've got to have some people around you that you're trying to bring up, you're trying to include, you're trying to reach that are just far away from God. Can I get an amen up in here? Yeah. Yeah, so, so let me just kind of throw some stuff out at you this morning, some stuff really to consider. We'll look at the Word of God. We'll dive into a couple of scriptures because, come on, we preach the Bible around here. That's what's going to help us. But, but I'm, I'm real concerned, maybe a couple questions that in your mind or in your mentality, is, is the church a hotel, a hotel where we just kind of hang out, we kind of vacate, we get away from all the bad people, we get away from life? We get away from where we're at, and kind of like, you know, uh, like where we're at. My wife and I go to Palm Springs, at, at, you know, pretty much every year. We just kind of hang out. It's a two-and-a-half-hour drive, you know, so it's close. And we go hang out and cook in the sun. And we kind of get away, you know, and refresh and read books and pray. But, but, but if we're not careful, church can be like that. We, we can't think of that way. That church is like a hotel. I'm getting away from all, you know, those people. And, and it's just us people up in here. But, but really, when we read the Bible, church is supposed to be more like a hospital, where there's hurting people. And come on, there's some blood on the floor. There's some trauma. There's some good stuff. Come on, the hospital, you got people having kids. Keep, come. There's some happy stuff in the hospital, but there's some hurting stuff in the hospital. There's some people missing limbs. There's some diabetics. There's some heart trouble going on. There's all kind of stuff. Our, our, listen, the church is supposed to be more like a hospital than it is a hotel. So we got to think that way. Got to think that way. Got to think that way. Uh, let me ask you this, is, in your mentality, is, is the church for us or is the church for them who aren't like us yet? Because uh, is the church insider focused or, or is the church outsider focused? It, 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 and I'm, I'm concerned for all of us in America too is that, is that when I read the Bible, I really get to see that, that 
evangelism is the heart of God, reaching people. You know, and that's a real tough word, evangelism, you know, the big E word. But, but evangelism is the heart of God. And, and if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we, we, can, we can get, again, so insider focus. We can get so, so insider communication that if you don't know if you don't know that computer language, you, you can never articulate with anybody at work. You're, it's, it's like a different language. How do you, how do you talk that certain code? And, that, and, and that's not Jesus. Because when I read in the Bible, it is that Jesus was just a normal, everyday, supernatural God, but he connected with people on a very real and relational level. Come on, somebody. You, you, you want to keep reaching people for Jesus? Come on, help. Come on, somebody say amen here. Will you help me? That's a good place. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Look at it, Luke 4, 18, 19. This is Jesus' first sermon, by the way. It's when Jesus, you know, kind of Jesus coming out message. It's phenomenal scripture because he's actually uh, reading them from the scrolls of Isaiah the prophet, and he's really finding himself. I mean, he knows who he is, but he's telling everybody really who he is. And you've read it before, a lot of you, you've heard it. And if this is new to you, we have some scriptures there for you. Look what it says, Jesus talking. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering his sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are, who are oppressed. And one translation kind of adds these words. We'd have included them. Those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken down by calamity. To proclaim the, the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, when we read that, what I want you to do is a couple things. Number one, I want you to read that, and we'll give you some really practical points about this. But what you can't do is you can't read it and go, that's Jesus, go Jesus, team Jesus, that's you, and then put you somewhere over here and say, that's not me. No, 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 no. The minute you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, he comes to live on the inside of you. So his spirit is your spirit. His word is your word. His heart is your heart. His eyes are your eyes. His hands are your hands. His feet are your feet. So everywhere you go, you got to be thinking, Jesus is living up in here inside me. So I'm going to live, breathe, talk, act, pray, do exactly what Jesus did. So what, what, what do I need to be doing? Come on, let's just, let's just concentrate on what, what it says here. And let's get this working in our life on a regular basis. Don't got to pray about it. Don't got to think about it. Don't got to wonder about it. Don't, don't, I don't got to have to say, Jesus, what do you want me to do at work with the people who don't know you? What do you want me to do with the, my family who doesn't know you? What do you want me to do when I go to Tim Hortons or, or I hang out at the car dealership? No, this is what I do. Everywhere I go, your spirit is up on me to do something. So, so what, the, the, the purpose of the spirit of God inside Jesus, on Jesus, inside you, on you, is to reach people. It's never just about you. It's never just about me. Absolutely, God wants you healed and saved and delivered and redeemed and called and know who you are 100%. But now we've got to move past that to say it's not just about me. It's about the people that Jesus loves. Amen? Amen. It says the Spirit of the Lord was upon me because he has anointed me. We don't say these words. We don't use these words, you know, like, like you know, anointed. I mean, we read them in the Bible and in Christianese and around certain things we say that. But, but if you were to talk to somebody on the street, they wouldn't know what you're talking about. So, so just think with me. Anointed just simply means empowered. You are empowered with God, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, to reach people who are in what this scripture says, which Luke records Jesus saying uh, right here. 
uh, well, I don't have to go far. Uh, what I know from this scripture is I'm never empowered to sit. You're not empowered just to stay still. You're not empowered to be stoic. You're not empowered just to hang around and not do anything with reaching people who are far away from God. You are empowered to make a difference everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. So, so I want to ask you some, some questions phrased with this. Who around you? That's what I want to ask you. Who around you based on these couple of scriptures in Luke 4, 18 and 19? And what, what I want you to see is who around you, meaning you don't got to go far. Listen, you don't got to go down to Tijuana. I don't got to go to Tijuana to find people who, who, who are, are, are in this scenario of scriptures. I, I don't need to take a mission trip to Tibet. All around you in Abbotsford right now, there are people right now that need you to be God in the flesh to reach them and touch them. Everywhere around you, you're the voice of God. You're the eyes of God. You're the hands of God. You're the feet of God. You're the heart of God. Everywhere you go. It's not, God, use me. Listen, just let him flow through you along what it says here. Notice what it says. Who around you? Come on, we'll have some thoughts for you on the screen. Who around you is spiritually poor with no knowledge of God's love and acceptance? Who around you? Who around you right now? Who around you? In your family, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, the places you frequent. Who around you that you know is being open that you go, man, they're just spiritually poor. They got no knowledge of God. They're crazy. If they don't know Jesus, they're going to die and go to hell. I'm concerned about that. Who around you is brokenhearted relationally or emotionally? Who's been through divorce? Who's been through neglect? Who's been beaten and bruised and hurt? relationally, emotionally through life. It just seems like the cards, uh, the, the deck of cards is always stacked against them. These are the people God wants you to reach. Who around you is enslaved or imprisoned by addictions or secret sins that you know of. Not that you're posting on Facebook going, you know, hey, I've heard about you, and, you know, <laughs> we're praying for you. Well, you're broadcasting it. No, you're keeping it to yourself, and you're praying, but you know, I'm going to go to you. I'm going to try to help you get free from this. Who around you is blind with no direction or purpose in life. Who around you has tried everything and is still hopeless and confused. That's what Jesus is saying. Who around you needs to hear about God's free grace and favor. Who around you? Who around you? I, again, I don't got to go take a trip to, to, to the, to the north, Northwest Territories. or I don't even, Do we call that that anymore? I don't know if we call that. Anyway, <laughs> I don't got to go far. Listen, I don't got to. I just right where I'm at. Who are the people? Who are the people right around me? These are the people you need to reach. These are the people for the last years and years I've been very sensitive of looking to reach. People around me. Somebody said this. This wasn't new to me, so I think I included it for you. The phrase is this. Found people find people. Found people find people. Found people don't need to find people who were already found. Found people who know Jesus, who have surrendered their life to Jesus, your goal, your ambition, your desire is to find people who are far away from God, who are hurting, who are broke, who life has bruised them, crushed them, who they're downtrodden, who, th who, who they think they're, they're hopeless. They've done the impardonable sin. If they ever came right up in here to, to Hope City Church, uh, the building would catch on fire. Those are the people that God wants you to reach. Those are the people that God want, wants, you to, wants you to touch. Uh, I, I'm convinced that the deeper your relationship with God as a believer is, the deeper your passion should be to reach all kinds of people. 
So again, just, just, just talking here now as a friend, as I've been in ministry for, you know, married 34 years in, in, in June, it'll be 34 years that, that I've been in ministry. So I've been in pastoral ministry, working with people, listening to people my whole life, you know, good part of my whole life. And what I know is that people who are what I call deep sheep, all of a sudden don't have a deep desire to go help other people. Deep sheep, right? Deep, deep, deep. I'm, de- I'm, I'm a sheep, but I'm just deep. I'm de- deep in prayer. I'm deep in worship. I- I'm, deep, I- I'm deep in the word. Why well, are you helping anybody? Are you reaching anybody? No, no, no. It's just all about me. Again, that's that inward focus and not outward focus that Jesus is just not down with. He's just not backing that because that's not his DNA. That's not his DNA. So should you get deep with Christ? Yeah. Should you get deep in worship? Yeah. But don't get crazy, freaky, weird, right? When I get deep with God, when I get revelation from the Word of God, I've got to have an outlet to share that with somebody else, to bring them up, to, to, to pray with them, to, to lay hands on them, to, to encourage them, to bless them, to get involved with their life. Come on, y- y'all getting this this morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, somebody came to Jesus, a religious leader. I think it was a lawyer. I, w- I want to say it's Matthew 10 or Mark 10. And he said, you know, hey, uh, what's, what, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? Y'all know what he said probably. Jesus says this, you shall love the Lord your God. Come on, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So here's what we're real good at generally, the church. Come on, America, everywhere around the world. We're real good at this vertical thing and getting good at the vertical thing, right? Vertical, me and God. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's vertical. It's going up. It's me. It's Jesus. It's word. It's prayer. It's my needs being met. It's him blessing me. It's him and peace in my life and joy in my life and his love in my life and his acceptance. And I need it. i got to get healed up from all the junk in my past. Absolutely. But the second commandment is just as important as the first commandment. i got to love my neighbor as I love myself i got to be concerned with people who don't know Jesus. It can't just be vertical. It's got to be horizontal. And isn't that the sign of the cross? Vertical and horizontal. That's what our life has to be. Come on, God so loved the world. You know, I think, I think Blake or somebody said it up here today. Maybe Jake did. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Come on, somebody. Help me finish it. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. So, so I, I would just say, if, if, if this is the heart of God, God loved the world, then I have to love the world. I've got to get my heart wrapped around. I've got to get my mind wrapped around. I've got to get my money wrapped around. I've got to get my time wrapped around. I've got to get my ambition wrapped around. He loves the world. So let's just break it down. I ain't going to Tibet. That's not my call. I'm not going to China. That's not my call. So where am I going to do this? Right up in here in Abbotsford or Chilliwack or Vancouver, or at the work, or at the school, at UVic, or at UBC, or at the community college, or wherever you're at, I've got to constantly in my mind be thinking, God loves this world that I'm walking into every day. God loves this family. Even though these kids are crazy, and they're smoking weed, and they're snorting, and they're popping, and they're, God loves them. So i got to figure out how to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the gospel is what changes lives. Can I get an amen, everybody? Only the gospel. Come on, come on, come on. Social stuff doesn't change people's lives. Come on, it it might help them a little bit. It doesn't get anybody long-term going to heaven. The gospel 
changes lives. The gospel is the power of God. Can I get an amen up in here, everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I was reading this the other day. I think, I think it's in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, again, uh, 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 Jesus is just, it, when you read the Bible, it'll just kind of freak you out a little bit. Because what he does and what Jesus did and what the Apostle Paul did or Peter, uh, a lot of times was just kind of counterintuitive to what we see in people's lives and maybe even your own life and my life at times. Well, one time Matthew actually records it, and you know the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all those were, were written after the fact that Jesus was already raised from the dead. They were written about 30 years or so after the fact. Uh, so Matthew's recording this about remembering what Jesus did, and he's recording this that on one occasion and a couple occasions, Jesus was in a house, and there were all kind of prostitutes and sinners hanging around with him. Now, when's the last time you had a party and you were invited to a party and it was all those kind of folk? And Jesus is just hanging out with them. We don't have any kind of, any kind of inclination that he's nervous. He's kind of looking around, checking his phone, sending text messages. Hey, Pete, come get me quick. No, no, no. Bring, bring the donkey around. No, he's not doing that, right? That's not what he's doing. He, he, he's comfortable around all kinds of people. I, uh, about, about four years ago, um, uh, four years ago, I got involved in, in, in cycling, road cycling, bicycling. Weather down in San Diego, you know, is great. We've had a lot of rain this year. I've got an indoor trainer now, so I cycle all the time. Last year, I think I was uh, about 8,000 or 8,500 miles on the road. So I just love to cycle, love to do it. It's a great thing for me. And what I decided to do, nobody in my church cycles. And so, uh, again, I, I started riding some guys in this club. I joined a club, and, and, and they're all... All of them, just about, are non-believers. And so here's me, Pastor Gary, right? And I'm hanging around all these non-believers who, come on, somebody, talk like non-believers. Can I get an amen? Everything's not praise the Lord, bless the Lord on my soul. It ain't none of that up in here. It's like they get a flat and, and the words are coming out. Other F words are coming out. And, and uh, all kinds of things. And I, I've challenged myself because what's interesting and, and these guys have, have little barbecues, and these guys have, have, have some parties, and, and they always invite me. And so I go, and I go not to drink because I don't drink, and I, I don't go to Kurtz and hang out and tell dirty jokes because that's not who I am. I go because I want to be more like Jesus. So what I found out is if my heart is open to them, I just hang out with them, then they start talking to me about their life and relationships and Several of them have come to church and raised their hand and, 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 and you know, answered an altar call. They're not there every Sunday by any means, by any means yet. But I, wanted, I just want to be more like Jesus. I, I want to be hanging around and comfortable with people who don't look like me, smell like me, talk like me, and not when somebody says something, kind of freak out like, ah, don't say that. Ah. Right? So. I'm just, uh, again, just talking to you where I'm at, and I think it's going to help us as a church. Uh, um, uh, let's, I, I see some brown chairs that don't have any humans in them. And so here's what I know. Jesus wants his house full. He wants his house full. Your job is to bring people with you to church, to reach them, include them. If it's good for you, it's good for people that are around you. He wants his house full. That's exactly what he wants. So, so if, if what I'm doing if what I'm doing is not reaching the unchurched or, or even the de-churched. In America, there's a huge thing with de-churched. And maybe you're here today 
and you came today. God bless you for showing up. I met a couple of people. I don't know how long you've been here in church or if this is your first time. We celebrate you. So glad you're here this morning. And, and But if you've been de-churched, if you've been hurt by church, if church has just kind of stabbed you in the back and you rolled up in here at Hope City Church today, we are thrilled that you're here because this is a church that wants to reach you. This is a church that wants to have you grow and getting connected with, with relationships. And this is a church that wants to see you flourish in your relationship with God. But it's not just about you, though. Now you've got to find somebody who was just like you. That, that's, that's, that's the, heart, that's the heart, heartbeat of God. Come on, y'all remember Acts chapter 1? This is the last time scripture that we actually have of Jesus before he left to go to heaven. You remember you know, the death, the burial, then the resurrection of Jesus? Acts 1 says that Jesus was talking to the disciples for about 40 days before he actually left. Uh, you know, then 10 days after that was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2 in that upper room. Well, well a couple things that Jesus said before he left are really important. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, like, well, like what you tell somebody uh, right, right before, you know, you're going to die. And what, what might, you know, might be really important about the will or the trust or about taking care of things, what you want to say to family and loved ones. And so here's what Jesus actually said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Y'all probably know the scripture. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. You're going to be witnesses unto me. So, so, so notice a couple things here is that the power of the Holy Spirit on your life isn't just for you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Again, my journey as a believer, listen, I was raised in an environment, the great word, great spirit, uh, man, it was, it was awesome, but again, it just seemed like it was just me. The Spirit of God is on me. He's blessed me. Help me. Give me peace. Give me joy. Let me see. For, I need forgiveness. Uh, give me a job. Give me some more money. And help me, 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 me. But the power of God isn't just on your life for me, for you, for me. It's to be a witness. A witness. It's got to flow through me. The Holy Spirit power isn't just for me. It's got to flow through me. And again, look what Jesus said. You shall be witnesses for me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and everywhere you go. The most parts of the earth. So everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. I got to look for opportunity to connect with people. Somebody said this, uh, and it's just stuck with me years ago. We need to connect with people before we ever try to correct people. And here's, again, what the church is known for. Come on, y'all know it. Y'all have been around long enough. Everybody knows what we're against. We're against, and, and yeah, and don't do that, and we're, not, we're against that. Whatever it is, the list is long. But how about we just tell people what we're for? We're for people. Come on, we're for people getting saved and healed and restored and delivered and marriages whole and kids off crack. That's what we're for. We're, we're for the plan of God, the will of God, a bright future. Come on, everybody. We need to connect with people. So, so I, I don't want to come into your life, and I wouldn't want you coming to my life, and, and, and we meet the first time, and then, and then you're saying, talking to me about what I'm drinking or talking to me about my curse. I, I'm going to leave you. That's what happens. So we just need to connect with people and let the heart of God, the love of God, just break down the walls in everybody's heart around us. Amen, everybody? Yeah. You know, again, it tells us in that scripture, Acts 1, 8, this, you, know, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Notice this, not do witnessing. Not what it said. 
I'm down with witnessing. I'm down with getting a card. I carry some cards and I pass out. Hey, come to church, hang out with me. I've done door to door, totally ineffective. <laughs> I've done door to door. Uh, in Chula Vista, where I live, South San Diego, we've got certain groups that are more bold and aggressive than other groups, and uh, just just ethnicities or these that where I'm at are more this way. Uh, and there would be guys on the street corner with the megahorn, with the sign, "Turn or burn." Ah, you're going to hell, megahorn. You're going to hell, you bunch of heathens. Jesus is coming back. Ah, you know what? Well, I read that, and I want to go break somebody's neck personally. I'm thinking, you're not helping anybody get saved. I, I, I don't think that works. I, I think we need to connect. Notice that this, uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on. You shall be witnesses. What does a witness do? God forbid you left the church out here today and you go over here to the corner where Tim Hortons is. God bless Tim Hortons right there at the corner. And you're, you're, you're sitting at the stoplight, and all of a sudden, the, 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 light, the, the light's red, but, but some knuckleheads aren't texting and driving, doesn't see it, goes bl- bl- you know, blaring through the light. Boom, T-bones somebody right in front of you. RCMP is rolling up here in minutes. They're checking, EMT comes, everybody's okay, but the RCMP is going to come to you and say, what did you see? They're going to come to the person on the other corner that stopped there. What did you see? They're going to write a report. Everybody is going to have a different story about what they saw concerning the same event. It will be similar, but it will be unique. Listen to me. You are a witness of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Tell your story. Your story is your testimony. Come on. Your testimony has power because it's yours. The Apostle Paul told his testimony three times in the book of Acts. It's telling us he kept telling it. He kept telling it. And most theologians believe Jesus kept talking and telling Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed. He'd tell who he is. He'd tell what he's about over and over and over. You are a witness about the death, the life, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you personally. Has he saved your marriage? Has he delivered you? Has he gotten you off? Has he given you ideas? Has he started your business? Did he help you? Tell somebody that and then ask them to come to church with you. In America, I don't know what it is in Canada, but in America, they said that 82% of the people that you invite to church will come. 82%. But what happens is that nobody's doing it. Nobody's doing it. Now, what's interesting that I read again in the Bible, again, just kind of, kind of taking out a couple different thoughts here. Uh, we've got a few more minutes. Is uh, like in Acts chapter 16, Peter and Silas are in prison. Start praying and th- singing to God. God opens up the jail cells. He opened up everybody's jail cell indiscriminately, indiscriminately. Uh, in, in the Gospels, uh, Jesus had 5,000 people, and another time it says he had 4,000 men, plus women and children, two different occasions, and uh, got a little boy with five loaves and two fish, and another occasion, I don't know how many loaves and how many fish, but you know the story. Uh, everybody got filled indiscriminately, men, women, old, young, rich, poor, ethnic, non-ethnic, Jew, Gentile, whoever's hanging around, whoever's hanging around got to eat, whoever's hanging around. Uh, Paul's, Acts chapter 27, Paul's on a ship, and the ship's going down, man, 14 days of hell, brother, let me tell you what, hurricane winds breaking up, people thought they were going to die, people are screaming, but Paul prays to God and says, I want everybody on the ship saved, the Bible says God heard his prayer, and Paul tells him, everybody's going to be unsaved, just going to stay in the ship, got to stay in the ship, ship broke up, they went to, San, went, went to the island, you know, swam to the island, Malta, and, and there was signs, wonders, miracles, it was crazy, 
But here's the thought. 276 people on the ship, everybody got saved. Everybody was saved indiscriminately. Indiscriminately. Uh, a couple of guys, uh, you know, James and John, a couple of the, Peter, Andrew, they were fishermen. Uh, in Jesus' day, they didn't fish with poles. They fished with nets. When you throw a net, whatever's in the net, not all of the same fish, gets brought to shore indiscriminately. God wants to save all kinds of people. Listen, not just good people, cray-cray people. Come on. Just look uh, like you think never they would got it, never use them. God specializes in reaching all kinds of people indiscriminately. So let's do it. Come on. Let's just throw the net. Come on. Let's just throw the net. Uh, God wants me to do that. I know God wants you to do that too. Luke 15. Don't turn. Let me just talk to you about it. Luke 15. Some of y'all know it. Three stories all about the same thing in Luke 15. Jesus is talking. All red letters. You can read it. Luke 15. Jesus talks about a lost sheep. He talks about a lost coin. And he talks about a lost son. All about the same thing. All about the same thing. On the screen, let me just show you three things about this scripture, this portion of scripture in Luke 15. What we find out is that something of great worth was missing. Something of great worth. All these scriptures tell us that what was missing <laughs> was worth something. Was worth something. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And whatever was missing, whatever was missing, number two, required an all-out search. An all-out search. We'll talk about it in just a second. Required an all-out search. Nothing else mattered. I heard of a, uh, maybe some of your parents can relate to this. Have you ever, uh, have you ever been in a store and you had your little child? You know, we had four now. Now I've got grandkids, and it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> now you get to send them home with their parents, which is glory to God. But... Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, but, but, but they get away from your hand sometimes. Want to go walk around the store a little bit, right? Or you get busy, moms. You get busy, and you're, you're at Target, and you're shopping or whatever you're at, and you're at the store, and all of a sudden you go, where's my child? Listen to me. What kind of car you drive doesn't matter. How much money you got in the bank doesn't matter right then. Whether the mortgage is paid or not is irrelevant. There's an all-out search for what was lost. We've got to have this passion, church, Hope City. We've got to have this passion. People all around us, if we don't see them, if we don't search for them, they might not ever get found. We've got to have a passion for that. So Jesus talks about even a son, the son, and he was missing. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. We find out after... Again, all three stories that when whatever was missing was found, there was rejoicing. And let me just tell you, I just think, I just think church should be a whole lot more party and getting excited. I think church should be a whole lot more up that when anybody responds to Jesus, we just go crazy and we celebrate that we let them know we're so glad you have been saved because that is the heart of God. The first situation Jesus talked about was the sheep. Interesting, when you read it, Jesus said, a shepherd had 100 sheep, and just one, listen, one went lost, one went wandering, one went away, one disconnected, disconnected. Now, I'm thinking, I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth, I'm thinking, you got 99% didn't. 
Just 1%. One little crazy wild-eyed sheep goes off. Let him go. Crazy, go, man. I don't know if I really liked you anyway. No. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. Whatever goes away has got to be brought back. Wanderers. Disconnected. This is what we look for. Who do we look for? We look for people who are wandering. We look for people dis disconnected from church, de-churched, mad at God, mad at church, mad at the world, just think God's not, not working in their life. This is, who, this is who we reach. We leave the 99. I leave the hotel, and I go to the hospital. The coin. Again, the coin. Lady has 10 coins, and, and she loses one. And so the Bible says she lights a lamp. And she sweeps the whole house until she finds us. What, what the story says, she lights a lamp. Think about me. Think about this now. What it's talking about. Sim symbolism is that I got, I got to light a light. I, I got to get hotter for God. I, I got I to let his light shine through me a little bit more so that I, I, I'm, I'm a vessel where, where people can see me. And I'm not trying to be the, the main event. The main event's Jesus. But, but, but people aren't seeing Jesus. They're seeing Jesus in you. So, so I got to shine a little bit brighter. I, I got to get a little hotter for God. I got to get a little more passionate for the word and, and prayer and church and the things of God. And I got to be on assignment everywhere I go. And, and, and I, I got to sweep. I got to get a broom. And I got to sweep symbolic of I've got to live a little cleaner. I, I've got to clean up some stuff in my life. Maybe, maybe there's some dust and there's some sin and there's some dark areas in my life. No judgment for you or me. But I just want to, the, the closer I get to the fire, the, the more that God's going to burn off stuff in my life. Just want to get clean. Want to go. I want to get clean. And then there was that, that 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 dad that just had a son and said, "Give me my inheritance, man. I'm gonna go away." And it says that he spent it on riotous living, crazy living. Just just was living out. You know, one translation says prostitutes and crazy stuff and drinking parties. But then it says he came to himself. Crazy scripture. He came to himself. I'm thinking. The dad's praying for him. I'm thinking just like you, if you've got wayward kids, that you don't ever disconnect from them in your prayer. And you pray and you let the hand of God just draw them back. And so we see, we see that all of a sudden the, the son just says, well, what am I doing here, man? What, what am I doing here up in this pig pen? I, I'm just going to go back to dad's house and I'm going to beg to just be a servant. And the Bible says, come on, y'all know it, the father saw him a long way off. Come on, everybody. How many know that God's still looking for the sinner? Come on, God's still looking for the wayward. That's what he's doing. Saw him a long way off. And what you don't know, maybe you don't, maybe you do know, in the Jewish culture, men never run. Men never run. <laughs> but this dad lifted up his long robe and he ran to the son, showing the heart of God the Father for your family, your friends, your coworkers, the places you frequent, your neighbors, God wants to run to them that they be saved. It's his heart. And when he got the son, the son just started, read it, he starts spilling, uh, just make me one of your hired sons. The dad never answers him. Not one word. He just put the ring on his finger, put a robe on his back, put shoes on his feet. Son, you're going to be going in a different direction. Son, I've given you authority again with me. Son, I've clothed you with a robe of righteousness. You're going to be right with God again. Come on, everybody. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on, that's the heart of God. That's, come on, that's the heart of God. 
uh, you know, so, so what do we do? What, what's, what's, what do I do? What's, what's, what's my heart? What, what do I got to do? It's, it's kind of like Mark chapter 2. We got, we got a guy who's paralyzed. Can't, can't walk. Can't, Jesus is going from city to city, town to town, and he's preaching. And come on, think, I, I can't get there. I can't, I'm hearing, but I can't get there. I wonder if he would reach me. He, he didn't come to my house. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 2 that there's four friends that got that paralyzed guy. And they brought him to the house where Jesus was, and, and they, they couldn't get him in the house, man. but they didn't stop. They looked all around. The house is packed. And so they climbed up on a roof, and, and they, they broke a hole in the ceiling and let the guy right down in front of Jesus. And, and, and the guy had a crazy transformation. He was saved. Come on. He was delivered. Jesus forgave him of his sins, all because four crazy friends just brought somebody to Jesus. Come on. We got more than four crazy people up in here, don't we, today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just bring some people to Jesus. And we just don't stop. We don't stop. Well, it's too difficult. They said no. No, 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 no. I'm going to get you. And I'm, I don't care if the house is full. We're going to break our hold in the roof. We're going we're gonna to bring you to Jesus. You need Jesus. We're going to let Jesus heal. We're going to let Jesus save you. We're going to let Jesus deliver you. But, but here, here, just the reality in all of our lives, it's, it's kind of like, come on, I'm wrapping down. This, 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 come on, if you didn't get anything, this is as good as it gets right now. Come on, so you got like one minute to get something good right here. Thanks for having me, by the way. I've really enjoyed being here. You guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. You guys are awesome. Um, Mark chapter 4 and then Mark chapter 5. Mark 4 ends with this. Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples, says, let's go to the other side. And while they go to the other side, storm rose. You all know the scripture. Storm rose up. Most theologians believe the storm was not just a normal storm, like this 30-mile-an-hour wind we had last night, right? But it was a demonically inspired storm. Here's why they believe that. Because Mark 5 says, as soon as Jesus said, peace be still, the storm stopped. Mark 5 starts, Jesus walks off the, out of the boat, out of the seashore. And there's a dude that meets him called the maniac of Gadara. Who was filled with the devil. But this dude comes and falls down with, in front of Jesus. And Jesus delivers him. You know the whole story. Jesus delivers him. And the guy miraculously gets saved. Listen to me. I am concerned that we are so concerned about the storm, we don't see the people the devil is trying to keep us from reaching. The storm in my marriage, the storm at work, the storm in my finances, the storm with my kids, the storm in school. I'm just so busy and the, and the college professors are wanting me to, and I can't be thinking about reaching anybody else. There's demonically inspired storms that devil wants to bring in your way to get your focus off people and get your focus again on your own life and your own situation. Rise up. Speak to every storm. Tell every storm to shut up. Peace and get reaching people for Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody? Come on. Go find a maniac. That's your word. Maybe that's what we named this message. Go find your maniac. Man. Let me just read your story in closing. Come on, team. Come up here. Come on, guys. Uh, I think team's going to come to play something. Let me read your story. In, in, in the state of Ohio, this is September 1985, so a long time ago. Some of y'all weren't even born then. God bless you. <laughs> a celebration was held, listen, at a local municipal pool. A party was held to celebrate the first summer, this is cool, without a drowning the city pool. In honor of the occasion, 200 people were gathered 
including 100 certified lifeguards. As the party was breaking up, four lifeguards on duty began to clear the pool, and they found a fully dressed body in the deep end. They tried to revive Jerome Moody, who was 31, but it was too late. He had drowned, surrounded by lifeguards celebrating their successful season. I, I read that, I'm just telling you, every, every time I get chills, I just, man, I sense the Spirit of God on me every time I read this story. Because I think about me, I think about maybe you, that we're up in here and it's awesome and it's great and Jesus and me and the word and prayer and the worship and relationships and but there's people all around me and you who are drowning they're dying they don't look like it they don't show it there's no nothing maybe there's no, I mean, their, their arms aren't up you're not seeing any scars any needle marks or, we're, we're not seeing the effects maybe on the outside of the abortions or the mistreatment or the, or, or the, the emotional trauma or, or the divorce, what, all that stuff. They look just like you. They look just like me. Maybe they're holding in real well, but, but, but they're lost, they're dying. Come on, students, they're lost and dying all around you at school. Now, what am I going to do? What, what am I going to do? Am I going to see them? Am, am I gonna, uh, is my heart going to be towards them? Jesus said this. Don't say, wait four more months. Then comes the harvest. He says, lift up your eyes right now. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is white. All around us, all around us, people need Jesus. This is why the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. This is why you're safe, so that you could be right with God and you could make other people be right with Him. He wants to use you. He wants to flow through you. So even as Blake this morning gave a phenomenal setup of the word today, that people around you need Jesus. Come on, bow your head, close your eyes. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, we pray that again. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.